Sirah, a biography of Muhammad, the last messenger of Allah, written by Professor Dr. Safwat Khalilovich. Chapter 35 Muhammad was sent to the mankind and the jinn. Sirah stated that after the event in Qanul Manazil, the Prophet, peace be upon him, continued his journey to Mecca. He arrived in the Valley of Palms and spent several days there, since it had a drinking water and herbs. During the Prophet's stay in the valley, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent a company of the jinn. The Noble Quran refers to it twice in Surah 46 and Surah 72. We sent a group of jinn to you, Prophet, to listen to the Quran. When they heard it, they said to one another, Be quiet. Then, when it was finished, they turned to their community and gave them warning. They said, Our people, we have been listening to the scripture that came after Moses, confirming previous scriptures, giving guidance to the truth and a straight path. Our people, respond to the one who calls you to God. Believe in him. He will forgive you your sins and protect you from a painful torment. The 46th chapter, verses from 29 to 31. Say, Prophet, it has been revealed to me that a group of jinn once listened in and said, We have heard a wondrous Quran that gives guidance to the right path, and we have come to believe it. We shall never set up partners with our Lord. The 72nd chapter, verses 1 and 2. It is clear from these verses that the jinn were listening to the Quran and that like human beings, they too have a free will to either believe or not believe in God. Like humans, the jinn also follow different religions. Muhammad, peace be upon him, was sent to convey the message of the Lord of the worlds to them too. By revealing the existence of the world of the jinn, who listened to the Qur'an and heeded the call, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent his support and assistance to the Prophet. That event, together with Adda's earlier admission of Muhammad's prophethood, was a kind of indication that Islam would prevail despite all the troubles that the Prophet and the first Muslims suffered. So the Prophet felt relief. He made a firm decision to return to Mecca and continue to call people to Islam. Nevertheless, he first had to check the situation, so he took refuge in the Hira cave for one period during which he sent petitions to Arab chieftains asking for protection. Jiwar. Two Great Miracles, Isra and Miraj Isra is the Prophet's night journey from the holy sanctuary, the Kaaba, in Mecca, Al-Masjid Al-Haram, to the farthest sanctuary in Jerusalem, Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, where he met with earlier prophets and led them in a joint prayer. That same night, the Prophet was raised to heavenly spheres, and that ascent is called Miraj. On that miraculous journey, 
The Prophet, peace be upon him, was paid great respect, and he reached the edge of the material universe, where no one had been before, not any messenger of God or any other being. Isra and Miraj are two supernatural events, mujizat or miracles, through which Allah showed his support for the Prophet, peace be upon him. It is difficult to tell when exactly it happened, but it is known for sure that it was before the migration from Mecca to Medina and after the death of Khadija. The Noble Quran also makes reference to these two events. Surah 17 was named by that event the Night Journey. At its beginning, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Glory to Him who made His servant travel by night from the sacred place of worship to the furthest place of worship, whose surroundings we have blessed, to show Him some of our science. He alone is the all-hearing, the all-seeing. The 17th chapter, verse 1. The mirage is referred to in Surah 53, the star. By the star, when it sets, your companion has not strayed. He is not deluded. He does not speak from his own desire. The Qur'an is nothing less than a revelation that is sent to him. It was taught to him by an angel with mighty powers and great strength, who stood on the highest horizon and then approached, coming down until he was two bow length away or even closer, and revealed to God's servant what he revealed. The Prophet's own heart did not distort what he saw. Are you going to dispute with him what he saw with his own eyes? A second time he saw him by the load tree beyond, which no one may pass near the garden of restfulness. When the tree was covered in nameless, his sight never wavered, nor was it too bold and he saw some of the greatest signs of his Lord. The 53rd chapter, verses from 1 to 18 There is a multitude of traditions about Isra and Miraj in the Islamic literature. These events are elaborated on in detail in the exegesis, hadith collections, and biographies of the Prophet. In this book, we will quote Ibn Kathir, a famous Islamic scholar, transmitter of hadith and commentator of the Qur'an, who wrote in his commentary of the Qur'an, based on the authentic traditions, as follows. Imam Muslim transmits in his Sahih from Anas ibn Malik, radiallahu anhu, that God's Messenger, peace be upon him, said, I was given al-Buraq which is a long-bodied animal, larger than donkey, smaller than mule, moving as a quick as a glance. I rode it until I reached Beitul Maqdis. I tied it for a ring used by Allah's Messenger, and then entered the mosque, performed a prayer of true prostration cycles, and got out. Then Gabriel approached me and offered me a vessel with wine and a vessel with milk. I chose milk 
and Gabriel told me, You have chosen that which symbolizes Islam, which is intrinsic to human nature. Some seers breathe that in the night of Isra and Miraj, the Prophet peace be upon him was staying overnight in the house of Ummuhani, Abu Talib's daughter. Ummuhani and her mother Fatima converted to Islam just before Abu Talib's death or immediately afterward, while her brothers Ali and Jafar had become Muslims a long time ago. The Prophet would sometimes drop by the house of Ummuhani, whose husband, Hubeira, although not a Muslim, would always extend warm hospitality to the Prophet in their house. Once after they had performed a prayer led by the Prophet, Ummuhani invited him to stay overnight. He accepted, but after a brief sleep he rose and went to the holy shrine, for he loved to visit the Kaaba during the night. While he was there, the desire to sleep overcame him again, and he lay down in the Kaaba precincts. There Angel Gabriel came to him, woke him up, and showed him Al-Burak. The Prophet mounted it, and thus the night journey began. Ibn Kathir writes further, The truth is that Muhammad, peace be upon him, was transported from Mecca to Beit al-Maqdis, awake, not in his sleep. He was then raised to Miraj, which is like a leader on which he climbed to the first heaven, and then to the remaining seven spheres of heaven. In every heaven he was welcomed by its dwellers. He greeted the messengers in the heavens according to their ranks, until in the sixth heaven he passed by Moses, peace be upon him, with whom the exalted Allah talked, and in the seventh heaven Abraham, peace be upon him, Allah's friend. After that he ascended even higher than all the messengers, until he reached the level where he heard the sound of the writing of the pens, which write destiny. He saw the lot tree of the uttermost end, Sidratul Muntaha. There he saw Gabriel in his true shape, with his six hundred wings. He saw the green seti that covered the horizon. He also saw the heavenly Kaaba, Beitul Mahmud, and Abraham, architect of the earthly Kaaba, leaning with his back against it. Every day seventy thousand angels each enter this heavenly Kaaba and pray in it, and they will not return from it until the day of judgment. He saw paradise and hell. There, at the Lot Tree, Allah ordained Muhammad's community fifty prayers a day, but eventually, as a sign of his mercy and care for his slaves, reduced the number to five. This is an indication of the great importance of the ritual prayer. He then made his descent to the site of the sanctuary in Jerusalem, Beitul Maqdis, and the other prophets also descended with him, and they all prayed together when the time for prayer came. Some commentators think that he led them in prayer in heaven, but traditions point out that it happened in Jerusalem. 
Some traditions hold it that the prayer happened when the first entered the sanctuary, but it is obvious that it happened on his return, since he had asked Gabriel about each prophet while passing by him in heaven, and Gabriel had answered his queries. This explanation makes sense as he was first summoned to the heavenly spheres to receive Allah's commandments for him and his congregation. After that, he was gathered together with his prophetic brethren and allowed to lead them in prayer. As a demonstration of the honors he was bestowed and his superiority over them, which Gabriel alluded to. He then got out of the Jerusalem sanctuary, mounted al-Burak, and returned to Mecca at dawn. Ibn Kathir concludes his deliberation on Isra and Miraj, saying that the two events were corroborated by the traditions that are considered reliable having been reported by a multitude of different transmitters. And there exists a consensus ijma, of all Islamic scholars regarding the hadith on Isra. Only the non-believers reject it, says he. Describing these two unusual events in the life of God's prophet, peace be upon him, the famous Islamic scholar and hafiz of the hadith, Imam ibn Qayyim al-Jawziyah, claims categorically in his work, Zadul Ma'ad, that Isra and Miraj happened in the Prophet's conscious state. That is, it was a physical occurrence, not only a spiritual one, or a purely somniac experience. This is the opinion of the majority of the Islamic scholars. Isra and Miraj happened during one night, when Muhammad, peace be upon him, was fully awake in body and spirit. In favor of it is the fact that the word abd, meaning slave or servant, is used in the verse of Surah 17, referring to that miraculous journey, and it denotes a man in his entirety, his body and soul. Also, in a verse of Surah 53, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, His sight never wavered nor was it too bold, and he saw some of the greatest signs of his Lord. The word basar, which denotes human eyesight as a physical phenomenon, is used, and not the word basira, which denotes the inner spiritual seeing. In addition, if this event had taken place in a dream only, not physically as well, Quraysh would not have had any reason to contest it as one may dream about having journeyed anywhere, irrespective of their motives of the destination. This happens to everyone in dreams. Quraysh actually contested a possibility that the Prophet could have traversed such a long distance in a single night or a part of it. Siras state that upon his return to Mecca, the Prophet went to the Kaaba and told everyone he found there of his journey to Jerusalem. His enemies instantly rejoiced, for they now felt they had an irrefutable cause to mock him. 
Every Quraysh child knew that it took a caravan a month to get from Mecca to El Sham and another month to return. And now Muhammad claimed to have gone there and back in a single night. A group of men went to Abu Bakr and told him what his friend was saying. Abu Bakr said, If so, he says, then it is true. What is so strange about it? He tells me that tidings come to him from heaven to earth in a moment at daytime or nighttime. I know that he is telling the truth. It was because of these words. If so, he says, then it is true that a prophet called Abu Bakr as Siddiq, the great witness of truth, or the great confirmer of truth. Important Lessons We may draw many lessons from Isra and Miraj. To the Prophet, peace be upon him, these two events were a manifestation of Allah's help and support after the numerous instances of mistreatment and persecution of the Muslims by their fellow tribesmen. The aim was to make it easier for the Prophet to execute the vow of transmitting Allah's call and carry out his prophetic mission. The honors granted to the Prophet and the greatest signs he saw during Isra and Miraj strengthened him in his mission. It is interesting that prior to the ascent to heaven, the Prophet experienced the journey to Jerusalem. The ascent could have started directly from Mecca without a detour to the sanctuary in Palestine. Nevertheless, the aim was to draw the attention of the Muslim community to the importance of that region. According to the Quran, Palestine is a blessed land. A great number of messengers and prophets of God traversed that land. Hence, in the Islamic sources, Palestine is referred to as Ardul Nubuwa, the land where messengers of God lived and preached. That is why all heavenly religions, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam assert their right to Palestine. Many rulers ruled Palestine throughout history, and the land was always in the focus of interest of kings and their generals. During the Islamic rule over that region, the Muslim established extraordinary models of coexistence with and tolerance for other cultures and religions. Historical literature refers to the so-called the Covenant of Umar, a resolution rendered by Umar at the very beginning of the Islamic rule in that region, guaranteeing the Christians all religious rights and civil liberties. However, that was not the case at the time of the Christian rule in that region during the Crusades when the Muslims were almost annihilated and evicted from the area. The same is the case with the rule of the current Zionist regime in Israel that has committed heinous crimes against Palestines. One of the very important lessons of Isra and Miraj is that Palestine is a matter that concerns all Muslims, from that noble place, Al-Masjid al-Aqsa, in Al-Quds or Jerusalem, 
The Prophet, peace be upon him, was raised to heavenly spheres, and it was at that very place in Jerusalem that he met the previous prophets of God, who acknowledged his prophethood and confirmed he was the crown of the prophets. Al-Quds was the Muslim's first Qibla, or direction of prayer, and it is the location of the third holy shrine of Islam. The defense of Palestine means defense on Islam itself, and it is an obligation of all Muslims to defend Palestine. Neglect of its defense and liberation amounts to neglect of Islam and sin that one will be judged for by the exalted Allah. In the night of Isra and Miraj, five daily prayers were ordained to every major Muslim of sound mind, male or female. All the other rules, such as those on alms, fasting, pilgrimage, and other, were prescribed on earth by way of sending Angel Gabriel, who conveyed to the Prophet certain comments or prohibitions from Allah. It was only the ritual prayer that was prescribed without an intermediary in a direct communication between the exalted Allah and his chosen one, Muhammad peace be upon him. It was prescribed at the noblest place at the Lot tree, which is an indication of the central role it has in man's life. It is through the ritual prayer that connection is established between man, that small and transient finite being, and Allah the Eternal and Magnificent, that makes the prayer the foundation of the religion, and for that reason it must be performed constantly.